0: Hey babes, this is Alyssa, the host of That's What Mom Said podcast and your new mom bestie. I've had to deal with daddy issues that later turned into baby daddy issues and honestly, the rest is history. As if being a mom isn't hard enough, I'm out here healing, trying to break generational curses, redefining motherhood, making sure I eat three times a day and my kids get fed and I remember to shower. And I think that if you're a mom, you get it. Join me every single Friday for a new episode, a new Supermom, and a brand new story to tell. Download, subscribe, and turn your notifications on on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And to stay up to date with all things That's What Mom Said, follow me on Instagram at That's What Mom Said Pod. everybody. Welcome back to another episode of That's What Mom Said podcast. I am here today with Julia Napini. Did I say it correctly? You did. Okay, perfect. She is a forensic social worker, and we're just going to talk all things separating and co-parenting today. I'm glad that you're on the podcast. Thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So just explain to me a little bit more about what exactly a forensic social worker does. Sure. So
1: I actually learned a few years ago what it was. I wish I had known sooner that this was a thing. So basically forensic social work is the blending of the social work field and the legal system. So myself in particular, I am a parenting coordinator. So that is basically helping parents post-separation or divorce when they're struggling with aspects of their parenting plan. Because the divorce agreement is not a fluid document and it can't necessarily anticipate everything that's going to transpire with children Mm -hmm. so i will help them come to agreements and navigate a lot of the challenges once their divorce has been finalized i also mediate divorces so i help parents come to agreements or individuals come to agreements when they've decided to no longer be married and i'm also a guardian ad litem so i complete child custody evaluations so if there's any question about what parent should have custody where the child should reside, situations where maybe a parent's moving out of state, uh, all sorts of things. It's really trying to make gather information and make recommendations about what's in the best
0: interest of the child. That's or a children. lot of weight on your shoulders, I feel like.
1: It definitely can be a lot of weight, especially when you are surrounded by people that cannot stand each other. Tensions oh, get yeah.
0: high. <laughs> I'm a child of divorce. My parents divorced and I knew that I was going through it then, but as an adult, I feel like I'm kind of realizing that I went through it way more than I thought that I had. Like, I knew that I had some issues back then, but now that I'm older, I'm like, wow, that really affected me a lot more than I thought it did. Do you
1: think that you realize the impact through your own relationships and becoming a mom yourself?
0: Yeah. So it was actually after my third child. Mm -hmm. and my second baby daddy that I was kind of like, wow, Mm -hmm. I keep ending up in these same exact relationships. Why is this? And then I had to really Mm -hmm. look at myself. And then that's when I kind of opened all the doors of where is this coming from within within me. And it's kind of unfortunate. I feel guilty sometimes for my kids that I didn't learn these lessons sooner. So they could have maybe had a two parent household or something, but I'm doing my best to make sure that they're Mm. happy so well it's never too late and I think you can always
1: be an example for our children and I think what you're describing is not atypical at all I know for a lot of people until they become a parent or until they're in their own relationship they don't really see that their parents were doing the best that they could and that there are so many challenges that we were not even privy to back when we were younger yeah and yeah we recognize a lot of the mistakes but we also recognize a lot that our parents tried to do right and yeah i think that's what made me reevaluate all of it when i became a mom when i went through my own divorce that's what led me on this journey so i felt like forensic social work was the perfect blend of my personal life and my professional life i was living it and i wanted to make sure that i did it right and we went through mediation we had a good experience thankfully And so I learned that there was another way. You didn't have to be adversarial and in and out of the court necessarily. And we were able to navigate it. And even though we have different parenting styles and different personalities, there have been challenges, but we've been able to navigate it because we keep her at the forefront of our mind. So when I speak Mm -hmm. to these parents, I speak from experience that it can be done.
0: And you would think that it's so black and white, put your kids first, put your kids first, but it's when there's emotions and things involved. I mean, I'm totally guilty. I'm totally guilty. Mm -hmm. I've learned from my mistakes, but I've done it. I've said things that I shouldn't, you know, but
1: Mm -hmm. we have to just put your, yeah,
0: for sure. Sure.
1: I mean, when we're triggered, we're not thinking clearly. And you and I were talking before we started recording that I have to differentiate a lot of time for parents. Okay, you're in spouse mind. You're looking at this person across the table or in the Zoom
0: virtual room
1: as if they're still your spouse and they're not anymore. So no one is all good or all bad. There were reasons why you chose to spend some of your life with this person. Mm -hmm. You chose to have a child with this person. And so, you know, let's try to focus on the good things. And what you do here now in this room is going to have long-term repercussions. And they have a choice.
0: So you can always make changes. It's never too late. Yeah, definitely. I I feel Mm -hmm. like that's what I wanted to do for myself. Not only because my kids deserve it, but I want peace for me, too. Like, who wants to go in and out every day arguing with somebody? Because I definitely do not.
1: Well, and doesn't it? translate to every relationship you have with anyone whether yes. it's a coworker or a friend <laughs> where it's like what matters more being right or you know figuring out your own truth like if we know what's right for us and we're living that we're embodying that it doesn't matter as much if somebody else gets it we can try we can communicate it clearly we can make sure that the person receives it the way we intended it but at the end of the day they're going to have their own impressions and we have very little control over that which is so hard
0: Yeah, and I'm a control freak. So I know I like to control the narrative a little bit, but I have to let go of that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, I think the pandemic definitely helped me with that. It was like, all right, we're just gonna throw all this at you and you're gonna have to live with uncertainty and embrace it and navigate it. And I was obviously counseling at that time. I'm a therapist Mm -hmm. first and foremost. And so helping people deal with a lot of that, really made me reevaluate, okay, so if I'm going to be helping somebody else through this, I have to make sure that I'm practicing what I preach and that I'm kind of getting my own stuff in check. So yeah, the control piece, I totally feel you there, but letting go can be a beautiful thing. We just got to figure out what we need in order to be okay with it.
0: Yeah. What's the what's like the biggest conflict that you see between couples that are splitting up or getting divorced? What's the biggest issue?
1: So I see a lot of similar issues But I think the theme is really the piece that I see commonalities with, where, again, it's like trying to be right, focusing on the details. Um, So some of the examples I'm thinking of, that each parent feels that they know what's best Mm -hmm. and that they're not necessarily taking a step back and listening to their children. So, for example, if it's an activity, right, one parent says, I want Susie to participate in gymnastics. And the other parent says, no way. I'm not taking her. I'm not paying for it. She's already involved in too many activities. She doesn't need to do that.
0: My thought is,
1: have both of you talked to Susie? How does she Mm -hmm. feel about gymnastics? Has she tried it? You know, all right, let's, let's do a trial. Let's sign up for one session. See how it goes. Both of you talk to her about it. Both of you go see how it plays out. And then let's reevaluate and they can get so consumed with, I want this, no, I want this. And then there's like this gridlock rather than what's it really about? It's about your daughter experimenting and trying different things and figuring out what's best for her and she's got a voice. And if you guys keep fighting, you're not hearing it. Yeah. So it's more themes of feeling that they're right, feeling that they know their children the best. I think a lot of parents, especially in the divorces, They're all about 50-50. I want 50-50 custody. Well, in all reality, what does that mean? Most people go into that scenario with, I want it even. I want it fair. I don't want to have to pay more than I need to. I don't want to be strapped. I want to live comfortably. And I want to see my kids. I want to be in their life. That doesn't have to be 50-50 necessarily. And 50-50 isn't going to work for everyone. So I think it's really about shared. How can you maximize how much time each parent has with their children? Mm -hmm. on a daily weekly monthly basis there's a big difference between you know what's fair in one person's mind and what's fair in another person's mind and then there's fairness Mm -hmm. in the eyes of the law (laughs) so we have a lot of opportunity to hash that stuff out in the in the meetings.
0: (laughs) yeah and it's funny because I was I immediately thought of this one scenario in particular it was a couple years ago um me and my two kids father they're we're separated so his family lives in georgia and my kids went for the summer to visit his family and i kept telling him like my son he jonathan he has to come home because football starts at the end of august i don't want him to stay till august he has to come home so i'm fighting i want him to come home to start football my ex is arguing that he needs to be there with family we finally talked to my son after this back and forth arguing my son doesn't even want to play football so that was it (laughs) (laughs) It was his first year. He was like, no, I don't want to do it. It was over. And we're kind of like, wow, we could have avoided this whole argument had we just asked him what he wanted because he didn't even want to go to football. So.
1: Wow. But you learn and you (laughs) learn. And then I'm sure the next obstacle that you are up against, you know, that will maybe happen sooner. And at the end of the day, until a certain age, kids should have a voice. They should feel like what they feel matters, but they don't get the final say. And up until they're old enough, and parents will determine that, uh, developmental stages and the research will determine that, but parents need to work on being on the same page and coming together and, and having that final say. And that's another thing we work on a lot is not communicating through the children, communicating between the parents. So for example, even if it's contentious and they don't get along, if the mom suggests something to the children then it's followed up with you guys think it over, but I'm also going to check in with your dad and I'll make sure we talk about it and figure out what we're all going to do. Like that weight should not be on the children's shoulders. Yep. So that's a lot of what we do, too, is not having it go through the children once they get cell phones. That's so much harder because mm-hmm. it's so easy to just communicate with them directly, but always making sure that there's that follow through. Your dad and I are going to talk about this. Your mom and I are going to talk about this and we'll we'll ultimately let you know what we decide, but we appreciate what you told us.
0: Yeah, I think that was important for me to realize like with my with my kids at one point was, you know, this is we have to be on the same page as parents, because I know for myself and I have three younger brothers, we played my parents when they were getting divorced, oh. like we totally mm-hmm. did. And I can say that as a divorce kid, because yeah, why wouldn't we? If one said no, the other one would say yeah, at just for the simple fact that they didn't get along. Oh, your mom said mm-hmm. no, then yes, absolutely, you can. You know what I mean? And, uh, and it's my kids—normal
1: for kids to be self-serving, right? We want what we yeah, want. we're going to do anything exactly. to get
0: it. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And I feel like my kids kind of did that a little bit to us, and that's when I realized, like, we can't, we can't do this. We need to be on the same page mm-hmm. because you know they're getting smart. Yes.
1: Well, I think you're also speaking to another point where. When the parents don't necessarily work through their own emotions, right? So if Mm. there's any guilt, if they feel any shame, if they, you know, feel like because of the way things played out, you know, they're holding on to their own responsibility and they haven't worked that through, where does that come out? It comes Mm. out in maybe giving in more than you would, not setting great boundaries. Um, you know, coming from a place of guilt, when you're operating from that place, you're going to make decisions that you wouldn't normally make because you're not thinking clearly, right? You're consumed with your feelings. So I think that's why it's so important that I encourage these parents to seek out. There's so many resources out there. Therapy is one. There are parenting coaches out there. There are support groups, you know, have a space where you can deal with your feelings so that when you talk to your children, they can have their own and they can feel safe and comfortable telling you how they feel and not feeling like they have to take on your emotions. Mm -hmm. That's another thing I see a lot with parents and it's not intentional. I don't even think a lot of parents realize that they're doing it, but being a therapist to children of divorce, that's Mm -hmm. where I've really heard it. Or my own daughter, when she comes home to me after time with her dad and she'll say things like, you know, that she kept something to herself because she didn't want to upset him and Mm. you know those are the things that we don't necessarily think through like how much are our children trying to protect us you know and maybe taking on more of an adult role than they should
0: yeah wow you even just made me think for a second that made me feel bad
1: Well, and that's not the intention at all. I think it's more just, this is helpful perspective, right? I mean, we're not always looking at it from every angle. And I think just having that space and doing those check-ins with our kids, I think also want to create an environment where it's okay for them to be honest and not fear retaliation, not fear that they're going to get in trouble for being honest with you. I think that's a big one.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something that I'm working on with my kids because I had such an issue when I was a child because I always felt like, if I just lie, no one will know. But like my mom always knew I was lying. And I feel like my kids almost get nervous sometimes. So I have to tell them, like, you can tell me you're going to get in mm-hmm. trouble if you did something wrong, but be honest mm-hmm. about it. And like, you know, we can work through it instead of. Right. You but know, if cause... they're
1: honest versus you finding out, it's always going to be worse. Right. Yeah. The consequences are going to be greater. And then the next time there's that question of, can I trust? I feel like if somebody. Rebounds quicker, you know, mm-hmm. they come around and they're honest, we can work with that,
0: yeah, no, definitely, for sure. Mm-hmm. So what about when you said that you work with children as you work with children that are in the relationships that are separating, or how how do you work so with children?
1: Children are not very typically involved in the mediation process, okay. and involving them in the parenting coordination process is a last resort because we're trying to shield them from the conflict so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it's a rare instance that a child would be brought into that but as a therapist i have been the therapist for children oh for for
0: children that have gone through yeah
1: and so at this point so as of last year i transitioned my caseload to the clinicians in my practice because it
0: grew so big that i
1: really needed to be able to manage it oversee it that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so oh is that one of them now yeah poking (laughs) at me
0: i'll give you juice
1: i love it so um, I end up transitioning my clients, but yeah. So I, I worked with a lot of children of divorce and think about it. The therapy room is that safe space for most children where, or most people where you feel mm-hmm. like you can be honest and understood and vent and get it out. And that was the biggest thing I heard from kids is they were afraid of the reaction that they weren't sharing a lot of how they felt with their parents because they didn't want to upset them. They didn't want to disappoint them.
0: So about I think the- we can do our best. I'm sorry about, about the feelings about yeah the divorce. okay yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I had I feel like I had big feelings when my parents were getting divorced and I didn't even know how to I didn't even know how to deal with them mm-hmm. and it was and it was it was kind of toxic like there was a lot of drama between my parents and it was very messy it was very drawn out and it was very mm-hmm. you know we were all, me and my brothers were involved and it was rough what age range were you during the divorce? So um, I was like, I want to say like 13, 14-ish. Mm-hmm. And my brothers are 7, 9, and 10 years younger than me. Oh, wow. So yeah, like my youngest brother was like 3 when my parents got mm-hmm. divorced too. So like, I feel like it almost in a sense, be, even because he wasn't... Because he didn't really see my parents together. He did. He doesn't really it i feel like it hit him the hardest yes that makes sense because i does it make sense because i always thought so like oh you he kind of think it would be the reverse yes that's what i thought
1: mm mm-hmm. But so I can relate to that from my daughter's eyes, where her being two, a lot of when she comes to me, she's not
0: speaking to her dad and
1: I not getting along because she doesn't remember that. She more grieves the loss of what she never had. I never got to see you and daddy together. I never got to see you guys, you know, like be in love and do these things. And, you know, all I have are pictures and what you guys tell me. And so it's like grieving the loss of something that you never got to have.
0: Yeah, but I feel like, In my case, if I could have avoided the trouble and seeing what my parents had gone through, and then you have to think about it. In most divorces, women, I'm not going to say women. I'm just speaking for myself. I know for myself in relationships I've been in, I'm usually kind of mentally gone before the relationship actually ends. Like I'm kind of on my way out mentally. And if you think about that in a marriage, how many years did in in my mom's Position? How many years did she go through where she didn't feel like she wanted to be there anymore to where she actually left? So, for all mm-hmm. those years that I was around for that, I'm seeing in my mom in this relationship where she's not being honored and loved the way that she should, mm-hmm. which then brought me into relationships where I'm kind of the same. Mm, and then it all comes full really circle.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does. But you being 13 versus your youngest brother you were experiencing it so definitely as a female right because you're looking out for your mom and Mm -hmm. you can understand a little bit more of where she's coming from and you witnessed so much more so yeah it would make sense to me that you almost don't realize until after the fact how much of a toll that took because
0: I'm assuming as a teenager you got your
1: own stuff going on but then you're also really cognizant of what your parents have going on
0: yeah and it was a lot. lot to
1: juggle Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that was always my goal. I didn't want my kids to go through that. And I feel like that's kind of the reason that I always, even though I would prefer a two parent household, if we were to separate, which we did, I feel like I always wanted to be on the best terms and make sure we could always be a family at the end of the day, because my kids deserve that.
1: Mm-hmm. I have so much respect for that. The hardest piece is when there's a co-parent who is not necessarily in that same Mindset, And I find that that's what I end up dealing with a lot are, you know, one parent who is really willing to communicate, share information, be open, try, and for whatever reason, the other parent, because they maybe have some residual feelings about the way the relationship ended, maybe because they haven't fully moved on, maybe because their quality of life is so different now, whatever it may be they struggle to get there. And so that's what I'm really trying to help them do is understand some of the long-term repercussions of that, what their children might be picking up on, how it's interpreted by their kids. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, the more the parents are able to find a way to communicate that works for them, communication protocols. It sounds so simple. That is a part of every case I've been in. We've got to figure out what's appropriate for texting, what's appropriate for email, what's appropriate for a phone call, what should you be talking about in person. These are people that just don't have these skills or have the skills, and they're not able to access them because they become so triggered. They don't want to have anything to do with this person. But as we know, when you have children, they're going to be a part of your life.
0: I did that for a while, the email thing, and I never understood it because my ex had asked for it. But then looking back, I was kind of like, you didn't want me to have full access to you. I respect that. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you do what you have to do to get over it. And that's what we did for a while. Yeah, it can be hard. I I think
1: harder when the person clearly has something going on on their end, but maybe they can't express it or they're not really clear on why it is that something is so hard for them. Um, so the hope is that it comes out eventually in the process. And there are so many resources, like we talked about, different ways that we can communicate. Most people want a paper trail. So there are programs like Our Family Wizard, where every communication that you have is documented. It's all logged. So if anything happens down the line, you have access to the record. That makes some people feel more comfortable. Um, so
0: yeah, I but know all... the
1: trust is gone. It's really yeah. hard when there isn't that trust to feel comfortable with a phone call or an in-person conversation, because then what if everything goes awry and you don't have any witnesses and who's going to advocate for you?
0: Yeah. So I, my youngest son has a different dad than my older two kids. Um, His dad, he hasn't seen his dad in um, it's been over a year now. And it, he, I mean, my son is three. So Mm -hmm. obviously we split when he was little and I am like, very I'm like a helicopter mom like I need to know what's going on with my kids if they're out of my sight I'm you know I'm nervous and being that like me and his father weren't together that long like when he started taking him on his own it just made me very anxious very uncomfortable and I would try my best like we don't have to talk all the time but can you please communicate with me and he couldn't and this went on mm-hmm. for so long and mm-hmm. I was so anxious that I had to stop it because I I could not physically send my child there and just not know if he was okay. You have to have respect for the other parent. And and that's just it. And if you can't, then it just, how does it work? Yeah, well,
1: I think it speaks to the control piece we talked about before. So
0: in all reality, when you
1: separate, you have hardly any control over what happens when your child is with their other parent. You can't control how they parent. You can't control what happens in their home, who the child is exposed to. So, yeah, that can be really tough. And so if you were to say, these are the things I need from you, I need some check-ins. I want you to give me an update before he comes back to me of, you know, anything significant. If you're not getting those things you need to feel comfortable, that makes it
0: really hard. I'm sure that was
1: agonizing on your end of things.
0: Oh, yeah. And I had postpartum anxiety and depression with him. So it was just like, it was just too much on top of too much. (laughs) When you do these parenting Mm -hmm. plans with people, what other things besides communications do you put in place? Is there anything like specific?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, as a parenting coordinator, we can really tackle anything under the sun except anything that's going to change the custody arrangement that needs to go through court or anything that's going to change the child support. Okay. So those two things are off limits, but anything related to scheduling, transitions, activities, what school they're going to go to, um, you know, anything like that uh, introducing new
0: partners.
1: Um, so really there's so much in that Pe- kind of gray area there. Do
0: people have introducing new partners like written?
1: Some people do in their divorce agreements. Yes. They'll put a time wow. frame as to what they feel is appropriate that the relationship has to be going on for before they feel comfortable introducing the child. Sometimes they want it documented that, that the other parent needs to meet this person before the children do. Wow. So, Yeah. Some people
0: will do that. Absolutely. I have never heard of that. Does that happen often?
1: No, it's not often, but I've seen it more frequently now than before. I think because we have more information.
0: Oh Um, yeah, for sure. And people are crazy.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) I think the other piece too is like for a lot of parents, that's their biggest fear that the person is going to move on really quickly and they're not going to be able to be alone. And you know, not having a say in terms of this person who could potentially be a huge influence in the lives of their children
0: mm-hmm.
1: but getting the other person to agree is the tricky part
0: i was just gonna ask how often do people actually agree mm-hmm. to this so if they don't agree you can't the reason do it why
1: you don't see it in the agreements is because they don't agree because in they the do process mm-hmm.
0: but that's got to be so hard because imagine you do that right and you have this you know whatever it is like i just feel mm-hmm. like For the custodial parent they're home with the children so then like how do you date outside of that like I had to go through that it was me and it was my kids Mm -hmm. and it was like I either have somebody over when my kids go to bed and we sit in the living room and and talk or like what like what do I do do I just not date until my kids are 18. How does that work?
1: Yeah, it's so hard. Well, you're speaking to another population that really became this kind of ideal client for me would be women who are going through this after separation or divorce transition and really trying to kind of figure themselves out and, you know, going back to like prioritizing their own needs, figuring out what those needs are. And you're right. I mean... The majority of people fortunately, even if they've had a relationship that didn't work out, they still believe in love. They still want that continuous and yeah, and it makes <laughs> it so hard. You're absolutely right. When you have all that responsibility, how do you balance all of it? But what I've found is if you want it bad enough, you're gonna find a way. Yep. If the other person really sees something worthwhile, they're gonna put in that effort, they're gonna respect the fact that your kids come first. And they're going to make the time whenever you can make the time. So it's a great opportunity to weed people out in my experience of who's really in it for the right reasons and who isn't. Because you saying my kids are my priority, you know, to the right person is not going to be a negative. That's not going to be baggage.
0: Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And I just started, I just kind of started like dating a little bit again. And I tell people I have three kids and like, you know, some are like, okay, yeah, that's cool. And other people I just never hear from again. And that's totally Mm -hmm. cool. But then you just weren't meant for me.
1: (laughs) It's so true. You know, it's like there's all these fish in the pond and you're just, people are weeding themselves out. They're doing you a favor. Right. And then you're going to be weeding some people out. But if someone says, you know what, I'm, I'm out of here okay, you just made it easy. You paved the way. It's going to be easier for me to find my person.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. And like, for me, Mm -hmm. I always, I saw my mom, she was super reliant on my dad. I saw her get divorced and then she didn't date at all. She did nothing for like 10 years except Mm -hmm. be our mom. And like, I know she wasn't fulfilled. There's no way there's no way you were happy those 10 years just with your kids. Like you can lie mm-hmm. to us if you want, but there's no way. And like, I respect her so much. And I tell her that now, like I respect you for what you did and like really putting us first after your divorce, but like, it didn't have to be that way. It mm-hmm. didn't have to. And like, I yeah. refuse that. And I, I just like, I have children, but I feel like that I'm not letting that stop my life. Like I I believe mm. that I deserve happiness.
1: Yes. Yeah. Good for you. Well, then, you know what your parents went through was not in vain for
0: you as hard as I oh, can no. imagine
1: it was. I learned. From that, right? You, you are, are going to make yourself better. Yeah. Right, right? You are, are going to figure out what's going to bring you happiness. And you're not going to let anything get in the way. And I believe that, you know, we can, whatever it is, if we want it bad enough, there's a way. There's absolutely a way.
0: I agree. So I good for you for getting agree. back out there. Thank you. I'm trying. It's hard. I just, I, I cannot stand people. I feel like I just like one thing and I'm just completely turned off. I'm broken, (laughs) I think.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, this is pretty personal, but I will say that like I am an example of someone who post-divorce dated for five years. I had a situation where it was shared custody, so there were weekends that I would have free that I could date, and I knew that my daughter was safe and well taken care of, so it was a Mm -hmm. little different, and it was so challenging to find someone that was in line with my values and what I wanted out of life and understood what it was like to be a single parent and to have gone through a divorce, and it was all worth it. I was growing and learning and evolving every step of the way totally found my person. So he is also someone who went through a divorce, has two sons, has had to know what that is all about, right? Being a single parent when you're with your children. And it was almost like unspoken. We totally understood what the other one had gone through in those respects. We have a similar vision of what we want for our lives. Um, He's a great balance. And so, I'm not saying that it wasn't challenging to get here and there weren't some obstacles, but those five years, and I'm not saying it's going to take that long for you, every (laughs) single moment of it was worthwhile. I had to adjust to being single again. I had to adjust to managing everything on my own, independence. My business took off. Like there were other things, and I had to work on being the best mom I could. When my daughter was with me, I was with her, keeping her a priority, going through all those stages, learning how to co parent. So, when this person came into my life, I Meanness. If I had met him at any other time in my life, it never would have worked. Yeah, he had to evolve. I had to evolve. You had to and be the. Together, it was perfect
0: timing. Yeah, perfect timing. I was just gonna say that, mm-hmm. but oh, yep. my goodness, I just I hope I hope that for every single mom out there who is feeling like they will never get it. I just hope that for everybody. I feel like mm. every mom deserves it. Every
1: mom does deserve it. And I think we have to believe that we do. I think for some of us, we have to unlearn some of those narratives that we've come to believe. But I think surrounding ourselves with more people like you and I will help, right? Because we're doing it and we believe in it. And what happened to us in the past is not going to prevent us from happiness in the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm claiming that. And I also
1: believe Right? And that's a good example for our kids. I wanted my daughter to see what love was. Yes. Yeah, what being treated with respect was. Yep. So she gets same that here.
0: now. And I'm open with my mm-hmm. kids. Like, I've told, my daughter's seen me have boyfriends. She's nine. You know what I mean? Like, me and her dad have yeah. been separated for a while. So if something happens, even with friends, like, you know, so-and-so and I got into an argument, and this is why. Like, I'm open with my kids because, like... Mm -hmm. I I want them to know that, like, when you date, not everybody is for you. Like, sometimes you can separate and not be hating each other or whatever. You know, I don't know.
1: That the person can still serve some significance in your life, even if they were only there for a brief period. Yeah. Compassionate Counseling Company is the name of my counseling practice. So we're located in Southeastern Mass. And we have a plethora of clinicians and we help all shapes and sizes. So we really serve the whole family. So we'll start to kind of meet with one member of the family and then their partner starts coming and then they're doing couples counseling and then their kids are seen. We oh, that's groups. awesome! We workshops. And then obviously I do all the forensic social work stuff. So I'm training some of my staff to do the mediation, parenting coordination, and GAO. So CompassionateCounselingCompany.com is the website. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. And then Compassionate Consulting Company is where I help clinicians start, expand, and diversify their own practices. So I'm living proof that it can be done. You can be an entrepreneur. You can start your own business. You can create what works for you and what works for your family and have work-life balance. And so it's really a passion of mine to help other clinicians do the same because agency work is not for everyone. So I've been able to do that and I want to help others do the same. So, LinkedIn, love Facebook that. for that as well, and the website's Compassionate Consulting
0: Company. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Julia.
1: Good luck on your journey.
0: Thank you, and you as well. <laughs> and for everyone that is listening, I will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of That's What Mom Said. Be sure to click the fifth star and leave a super cute review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Make sure you send this episode to your mom friends, your group chat, your grandmother, your kid's teacher, or literally anybody else that you've ever met. I'll talk to you guys next week. Okay, love you. Bye.